0: And welcome to another edition of the War Room. I'm back from vacation from Virginia, so I actually get to have a guest in studio uh, today here on KOKC. And my guest is Samantha Campbell, the head coach of the Independence Community College softball team, um, an alum of the LeBec Community College program. And she also served for six, seven years as an assistant. Six six years as as an assistant at Neosha County under Kim Alexander. Uh, we've Just got
1: living the Jayhawk dream.
0: That's right. Uh, Sam Campbell, welcome, to, welcome back to the show. It's your second time on. Last time you came on, it was May 2020. That was a weird world we were living in, and it's still a weird world we're living in. But we've all muscled through. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you made it back from your trip.
0: Um, <laughs> it was a uh, so it was a family trip. I, I went and saw my mom, saw my grandfather on my dad's side. My dad flew in, and then we saw him in Southern Virginia. He owns like. 100 acres of land down in rural Virginia so I I got to kind of get away a little bit and just enjoy some rural You got to get away from the big
1: city of Parsons.
0: Okay, not necessarily away from the big city of Parsons, <laughs> but just a- away from people in general. Like it, it was very qu- it was quiet. It was quiet over there. I get it. So uh you're, you're coming off a, a season where you did well. I should have pulled up your record. Uh, we were
1: 23 and 22. Man, it was a fight to stay above 500. Which,
0: and you're in what? Your third season, including the COVID year. Third as head coach, season. Yep. Including, including a COVID year uh, in your third season with the program. And you've taken a program that only won four games when you inherited it. And now you're going and you went over five hundred. I think you yeah. finished and finished right in the middle of the pack, a little yeah, above the middle. We, I mean
1: we leveled up to that D one side too, right when I got yeah. the program. So it, it, we took um we took some lumps early there, but
0: I mean I think that's a uh I mean that's a very that's a great trajectory. And I think that's a uh obviously you're a very competitive team. I think we can sit here and be honest on that D one side, it was Butler and everybody else. I um,
1: mean, Oh yeah. I think that we were pretty evenly matched throughout the conference. Like it was a dog fight, obviously that twenty three twenty two. That's just, I would get one and give one back. Yeah. We, we slugged it out quite a bit. Um, but no, Butler, Butler's fun, fun to watch <laughs> as long as you're not playing them.
0: Um. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they were down a couple years ago. I remember they played LeBette and like split a series but then they came into town and played LaBette this year, and I was thinking like, all right, Le- Lebette's right, number one right now on the on the D two side, and Butler's number one on the D one side. This might be some good games, and they got out of hand real quick. Oh yeah, I I knew. I, well, I
1: I had a new assistant this year, and I had told him, and he was uh, like, I, we talked about earlier, dropped down from you know some of Division one. So he's,
0: he's who was your assistant name this year? Uh, Tyler Odell. Tyler Odell.
1: Yep. Um. I could speak volumes about him he did a great job um I can contribute some of our wins definitely to him he he came in and did some big things with us as well um but no I, I told him I was like man butler's gonna be pretty competitive and he was like oh, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna scout him out and he watches home and he's like oh they, they make mistakes I mean yeah they do make mistakes but they do a lot of things really well they
0: make up for it by hitting three out of the yard <laughs>
1: absolutely they can do that so no I, and they were they were impressive Um, they're impressive to watch Mm -hmm. for sure.
0: Uh, Obviously I think Butler, they were just on a different level this year. Uh, but at the same time, I always enjoy seeing, you know, Hutch, it was another team that moved to the D one side fairly recently. They Mm -hmm. used to be on that D two side, uh, you know, seeing programs make that transition from D two to D one in the Jayhawk. I think it's, I think it's interesting because I think if you chopped Butler off the top, I would argue the D two side was probably more talented than the D one side this year.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, for sure. a- I, if you're looking at like rankings and stuff, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, there are some. I mean, I do think there's some really competitive teams out west for sure. But oh, Butler, yeah. like you said, Butler, they just they 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 level up on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I, but Division Two, that's what I, we we talked about. You know, back when I was on here last time, like I wanted to go back Division Two. We are making that jump back Division Two. I'm super excited about that. Um, but then I actually like. Pulled around and was telling my ID. I was like, I don't know if I did the right thing, but convincing. I was like, because uh, there's one ranked team on the Division One side, and then I'm gonna take us back over to you know a.
0: We're having uh, conferences, yeah, right. <laughs> like
1: six teams, and everyone's receiving votes and getting after it. So I was like, I don't
0: know. So l- let's talk about that move back to D two. I think on paper, to people who does, who probably aren't as well versed in the sport or in junior college athletics as a whole, they're going to see, oh, they're moving back to D two. They must they must be struggling. Why are they reducing the type of scholarship you can give? Well, for one, the Jayhawk already limits how what type of scholarships you can give out anyway. For a long time, until a couple years ago, basically every scholarship in the conference. For any sport, was essentially at a D two level, mm-hmm. whether you competed in D one yeah, or D two or not. Just the state
1: was divided. If you were D one, you were out west. If you mm-hmm. were D two, you were you know over in here. the east. So,
0: yeah. yeah, and so you guys making the move down to D two, I, I I obviously I think it it helps you in a, in a couple ways, and I think yeah, I'm sure you can elaborate on that. First off, just from a sheer enjoyment perspective, you don't have to go to freaking Dodge City or, or oh, Seward well, on a Wednesday well, anymore
1: I, I like all the guys out West I had a great time mm-hmm. with all the coaches out west but man I hated traveling seven hours to see some of them I mean that was the rough part you get your kids up early you travel them you play them and you bring them back and you get them up early the next day for class it was it was a, That's a lot it was a test of will I mean mm-hmm. but we wanted to play I mean we lost our season last year and I mean if we had to travel, we had to travel. That's that's what mm-hmm. it came down to.
0: I'm trying to think of the furthest teams from you in the on the east. Obviously, Highlands the furthest team from anybody. Yeah,
1: it would be like your your Highland Heston Cloud.
0: I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. Clouds Cloud and Highland are probably your furthest ones. Yeah. Hest and then Heston's next. But I mean, that's which is like a, a normal
1: day trip for me in, in the Division One side. Like going yeah. to, like we had to play. Um, so in the east and the west, they were divided up five on each side, um, and then you play everyone in in the west you know, one-time flip-flop, you know, home-and-away series. But we had to go to Barton twice, which is in Great Bend. You had to go to Hutch twice. Had to go to Pratt. Pratt was considered, like, a close one. Pratt twice. (laughs) Pratt. Um, And then uh, Butler. So, I mean... Going to Heston and, and Highland will be just like a normal a normal short trip for us mm-hmm. uh, this next year.
0: And now you've got, uh, you'll get an opportunity, this will be the first time you get to play her in conference, you'll get an opportunity to play Kim in over in the Osha County, your old boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you guys played, had you played her in a regular season game in yeah, the spring?
1: I played them early um, this year and we, we wound up splitting actually, mm-hmm. um, so I was, I'm I'll tell you what today. they were
0: playing some real good ball down the back third of the season near county was. I mean, they were I believe they beat they have a win over Highland yeah. uh, there and yeah. they got to Sunday at the region at the region tournament down there in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Lebet I, I remember they they played Lebet which was I mean, Lebet was finished second in the conference. They had a really good year this year and uh they took three or four from them. It just happened to be that fourth was an elimination game mm-hmm. in the tournament. I know Kim wasn't probably happy about that, but or neither were their players, as they shouldn't be, because right. they played good ball.
1: Yeah, no, she had some really good kids. I mean, she had a good little pitching staff, and mm-hmm. um, she had some kids that could swing it, have a little bit of speed. Um, no, I, I honestly, I, I just think that I was with Kim for a long time, so it set me up to kind of to know how to, to play her. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I mean, they're I. Everyone was like, "Hey, call me. How are they getting ranked? How are they ranked with that potentially at one point a losing record?" And I was like, "They're
0: they're good. Because look at who they're like, beating. They're beating every because they have wins. or basically, all the right teams above them." I always
1: say it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and a lot of people like take offense to that. But let's go. I mean, That's she's the whole a great point of the season. She does a great job late. Gets big wins. Her kids go on a yeah. tear. They play. They believe in each other. They were probably the most like like I said, I was their assistant for six years, and this team that they had this year was just like. Their energy in the dugout was just freaking crazy. They were really high energy. They were going at it all the time. So I think that just, they bought in and... and
0: I, I've kind of shifted my view of the Neosha County program this year. And it's never I had anything against them. You didn't like me when you were an assistant at Neosha no. County. But, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, I always kind of had this thought of, I just think Yorba County is one of those like mid-tier programs. You know, if you're if you're a top three or four program in the conference, you should be getting two wins against them easy. And but what I kind of realized over the years is okay, maybe I think why do I think that about them? Because every time I go cover the postseason, they're right there.
1: Yeah, they're right there. That's why we had <laughs> some problems early in our in our friendship. I, I think we were always competitive. Um, yeah. no, I think it's just they're at it's, the same level of, of
0: those teams that I thought should have been sweeping them the whole year, yeah. They're, they're no, right there, yeah, they're always right the there. You just got to
1: kind of break through. I mean, Kim's been there, she's, I mean, she, she knows what she's doing. I mean, she's got good assistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay.
0: So, the the year I the year you and I have talked about over and over, but I'm not sure I've ever asked you really just how you felt about it emotionally was 2015. I believe that's the furthest you guys have Neosha County's gotten in the postseason under Cam. I know they've never made the national tournament. It's yeah, hard to make the national right, tournament. So that's not a knock. But you got to the region, you got to the championship round of the region tournament on the top side. Mm-hmm. LeBec comes in from the bottom. Alex Brake was Alex, Alex Break that day.
1: Alex Break, Brake. Yes. And she
0: was she she was Alex Brake that day. And you guys ended up dropping two on a Sunday. I'm curious though how. Getting that close with that program, that was very much a project build with Kim from the start. What were your emotions that day maybe coming in? You're thinking like, all right, this is our day to make the national tournament. And then, you know, five, six hours later, you're realizing how close you got.
1: I mean, it's it's playoffs. I mean, everyone's scary at that point. It's hard to keep seeing each other and keep winning. I mean, it's hard to keep facing the same pitchers, the same hitters. Like, Mm -hmm. people start making mistakes. People start having to go outside of their... You know their wheelhouse to try to make things happen because we have everyone's, you know, number down. I mean, you see kids seven, eight times the plate. You know they're starting to, to see things well. And I mean, Kim and Ryan or Kim and Ryan, right? It's it's a rivalry there. Um, like, I I get it, and they know they know each other's tricks and what's about to happen. So. It was really intense. Uh, the whole for tournament. listeners who
0: don't know, uh, Kim Alexander, the head coach at Neosha County, she was an assistant for Ryan. At Ryan's first ever assistant mm-hmm. served under him for what four or five years, maybe. Oh, six.
1: a while, yeah. yeah. and then she was
0: actually the assistant when you played at Lebec.
1: Yes, yes. So ties played. to <laughs> yeah, ties to both of them. And then she goes over and takes the Neosho job, and then uh, I just finish up, and she calls, and I'm her assistant. So
0: yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, it was a, uh, she's done a good job with that program, and they were certainly very competitive this year. Absolutely. And I mean, they, and I, you know, so like I said, my my opinion of that program has shifted to, I, I kind of consider them, at least in the same conversation of their Highlands and Lebets and KCKs and Johnsons. I think the answer County has well, to be part of that. Well, you just have to,
1: everyone wants to do everything in a year or two years and build, and it, it takes so much more than that at this level. And. Like, I mean, that's why I'm here. We're going to talk about some of the things that we work really hard and hold our kids to high standards, but it takes a minute to kind of lay that foundation down. I mean, Ryan was there a while before he makes it to the national tournament. I mean,
0: his his record was below 500 until this season. People don't, I mean, I wrote about it once, but people kind of forget, and justifiably so, he's made them forget that for about six or seven years, he was winning four, six, eight games a year. That program was. Yeah. That program was who you walked over. And then he turned it around right about when you got there. Mm -hmm. I wonder. It's almost like you're the reason to
1: I don't think that. I don't think I'm any part of
0: that. Um, But uh, right around when your class got there is when things started getting better. You were the same class as Hope Hutchinson, right? Or no, you were a class I
1: was one. I I was a freshman. It was
0: her class that really turned it around. Yes. Yes. And they were the ones that...
1: they really bought in. They wanted it. I mean, they were, yeah. they were a good group. I mean, we were two, two outs away from going to the national tournament against Johnson County my freshman year. And mm-hmm. as a freshman, we didn't realize how close, you know, how good we really were, you know, we were like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we'll make it, whatever. And then when we we're standing there, we were probably overwhelmed with emotion of how close we were. And we drop it to Johnson. And then we turn around my sophomore year and beat Johnson to go. Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: He's beat John. I think two of his two of the three times Ryan's made the national tournament, he's beaten Johnson to get there, in that region championship game. And he's done some crazy, crazy things to get yeah, there. Yeah,
1: some crazy things for sure.
0: Uh, we gotta go to a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk about a Facebook post that you put on, which is the whole reason why you're here. And we're gonna see if you still have a job afterwards. Is that all right, Sam?
1: Awesome. Sounds All right, great. sounds
0: good. Thanks. Uh, we'll we'll be back after the break more uh sam campbell independence community college head softball coach when we come back here on the war room on klkc don't go anywhere and we're back here on the war room on klkc i'm your host sean fry and begrudgingly here against her will (laughs) is independence community college softball coach sam campbell uh sam a big reason i brought you on i i texted you a screenshot of a post you put on facebook and i said let's get you on the radio and talk about this (laughs) so during the women's college world series the ncaa college softball world series uh, which Oklahoma won? Uh, first okay, of,
1: but everyone put on a show. Like it was one of the best World Series. One of the best ever, and yes. I
0: love. I, I don't know how to say her name right. The JMU pitcher Oditsi?
1: Oh, Alexander or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: The JMU pitcher. Fun to oh watch. Yeah. Woo! That play against Oklahoma State where she dives yeah. to make the tag out at home. That's all instinct, by the way. And by the way, like I don't mean to. Ins- that's. I hope people realize the difference like the true gulf there is between players at that level and even players at the junior college level that, that you're a coach of and that I see every day. Like yeah. what is there a picture in the conference you think could have made that play defensively?
1: I don't know. Honestly, that's a, that's one of the best plays I've ever watched. Yeah. Like, and that that's saying out of everyone and watching division one for years and mm-hmm. being a big fan of this sport and coaching it. That's one of the best plays I've ever watched in, in one of the mm-hmm. biggest moments, you know, that's, that's why you play for plays That's like that, but they play. don't happen every day.
0: No, they don't, and it's, it, she was fun to watch, and one thing, and we're, we're going to get into this topic a little bit, but, uh, or, or at least tangentially, <laughs> and we'll just be, I'll just be blunt about it, you don't see a lot of black softball stars, and mm-hmm. even pitchers are even rarer than that. Mm-hmm. I was talking with someone about that once, and part of that, I think, is because the sport just has this, it's expensive. It's expensive oh, to play yeah. softball. Yeah. And you know, anything that is expensive automatically, you know, anybody who is poor uh, on all walks of life is it's gonna have more problems doing that. And I think there I think there's ways the sport the world could provide more equitable opportunity for, for the sport. Mm-hmm. And the sport could probably do a better job as well. But anyway, back to your Facebook post. One during that College World Series, Patty Gasso, the head coach of Oklahoma softball. Was basically calling out what she perceived and were a lot of inequities that the NCAA had compared to the baseball World Series. Mm-hmm. That road to Omaha, mm-hmm. uh, she talked about the, the venue. They talked about the start times, and you had games starting at. You had teams playing doubleheaders starting at midnight.
1: Right. That's yeah.
0: ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Who
1: who performs it? A- a midnight like that, like no, you don't train. There your wasn't kids a Jugo
0: game that started at midnight. You
1: don't train your, like we tell our kids, and and she does say in the article like, hey, we're a blue collar sport. Like we're gonna play. We've taught our kids to play. We mm-hmm. we we tell our kids like when it's time to our, let's our time to shine. We're gonna shine regardless. Like we're not gonna like, hold us back, but we shouldn't be asking our kids to be playing at, at midnight on the biggest stage. Yeah, the biggest some of the biggest games of their careers, or their you know there's not a there's not a big six figure contract waiting at the end of this. No. This is their last. You know who all so.
0: And you're, and you're playing at midnight. That's
1: yeah. You're asking them to fight all year long and play on the biggest stage and do everything right all year, mm-hmm. and then your reward is that you play at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know.
0: And, and and then she pointed out some inequities when it came to the amenities in the field, and, mm-hmm. and people can claim, oh, you want massage chairs in the dugout too. Nobody's saying that, no. but what they're saying is this goes back to what we saw with the NCAA basketball tournament, mm-hmm. the the men's tournament. Had like three NFL's worth NFL teams worth of equipment right. in their weight room in a warehouse, and the women's was a yoga, yoga mat and some, some free weights. Right, right. Like, like, the, like, we're not saying give us everything, no. But they not they at want all. to be treated equally, and it always struck me that that whole NCAA basketball tournament thing struck me as odd. Like, how was that not
1: like How did the, the how did that get by? How did the region director from the women's not call the men's and be like, hey, what are you guys doing over there? Like.
0: And then you he, would think there's someone in the NCAA, which which is a billion dollar corporation. You would think somebody in the NCAA's only job would be to make sure of stuff like that,
1: right? To make sure that
0: a title no one coordinator.
1: <laughs> yeah, that we're being fair. Like that's the thing, which we just talked about. This is like this is the NCAA, the NJCAA. Like we, we're not we're not asking for anything that we don't. You know, that, I, we're not asking for so much more. We're just <laughs> asking for the same thing.
0: Exactly. So Patty Gasso kind of aired grievances, and you published a link to an article about it, and your commentary on it was, say it louder for the people in back. If it's this bad at the NCAA level, you can't even imagine how bad it is at the NJCAA. Let's go. Give us some support, and I promise we'll do big things. What were you thinking right there? What, was, what, what do you truly mean by that?
1: Well, I think we all know it. What it comes down to is, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier, um, just some things like even the Division One, um, you know, World Series for the JUCO. I mean, they're playing with a temporary fence. So we're playing,
0: and let's just stop right there because I saw that and I thought it was crap. I tweeted something about it. It was, right. you know, the, Butler, the team we talked about at the start of the show, the the super team. <laughs> um, <laughs> they get to the women's, they get to the World Series, the Division One World Series for the NJCAA. And they're playing on a baseball field with a makeshift fence. So not only do you have a makeshift fence that has no warning track, which is a huge safety hazard. And you saw it because people trip over it.
1: Right. Like, then you but also kids have are, a... Kids aren't making those plays either. Like, I, I'm not saying that it's not a great play that some of those kids make to go to go over that, that tent fence, but I know that...
0: That ball's gone on a regular field.
1: It's either gone or she's going to have to hold up and play it off of a fence and not lay out like that. Even, even my fence, which is like four foot tall at Indy... That play's not being made. She's not jumping it, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. not staying in. Like, no. That's just not going to happen.
0: Four feet tall at Indy, so you have to leap, and you think you might be able to rob one Yeah, you, you? you're not. For yeah, you. maybe, maybe.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, her feet aren't going to, her feet are going to clip. If she's jumping that fence, her feet are going to clip. Like, that's, exactly. she just goes through it there. Yeah, she just
0: barreled right through she's, it.
1: And, and, that and wasn't as a coach, tell your kids that, like, if I'm a coach and I'm like, hey, you have a 10 fence, go hard. Like, run through it. You're not going to get hurt. Go catch that dang ball. Like, let's go. <laughs> you're not going
0: to get hurt. No. No, one thing I would argue, at least from the injury, I, I get what you're saying, and I agree with you. I would argue that the 10 fence can be, because you do kind of tumble over that and lose control of your body. Your head might slam down.
1: Right. There's, there's all kinds of things.
0: You also, there's no warning track. So that's my biggest argument against turf. Like, I know Casey, Kansas City, Kansas, Atlanta, Ross, one of the best head coaches in the country, no doubt. She plays on turf, and I understand the value of turf. It makes it, you know, your maintenance is basically zero once you put it in, and, you know, games don't get rained out, and I value that. But one of the biggest things against it is there's no warning track because, you know, people see the warning track on a baseball or softball field, and they think it's decorative. Well, no, you're going from grass to dirt, and if you're tracking a ball in the air, you're not looking behind you to see where the wall is. That's the physical cue Right. to let you know that you're changing that there's a wall. You're to hit a yeah, wall. Yeah, for
1: me I, I get it. I see the warning track. And it's great. If, it's great if they're done correctly and but a lot of us don't have, I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of us don't have those warning tracks. So for me it's not a big that's do not You have a warning track at your
0: field? No. I don't think Lebet does either. No, they don't. No.
1: No, I think uh I like Hutch they have one, but there's also play at the sports complex, you mm-hmm. know. So some of those bigger bigger, you know, facilities do. Um yeah. but not a lot have that. I think it's just the the ten fence was just probably the most
0: like Agre- concerning. Like. It was egregious, and to me, what was also egregious was the fact they were playing on a baseball infield. So the, the depth of the dirt is different. Most center, center fielders were standing standing right. on the edge of the ground. And here's
1: the: thing. if we're just playing, if you're playing like a, a non-conference game, okay, may, let's even just put a conference game in there, right? You have these fences that you're playing on. Like we we watch them play. You know, we watch you know NCAA games where they're playing on football fields and indoors mm-hmm. and stuff, and Okay, that's fine, but this is the World Series. Yeah! Like, you're telling your kids, play hard all year long. So you go play on a baseball and field you, at like, 10 cents. Yeah, you're thinking, like, come on, they've worked hard. They didn't have a season last year. They've worked hard all year. And and probably their home field is better than what they're going to play on there. Hands down, I know Butler's field was better than, mm-hmm. you know, that. And theirs is a, a city field. Like, we all kind of have, we
0: go in. I would argue every field in the Jayhawk was yeah, better than like, that field.
1: Yeah, we share
0: our Your fields. Your field's better than that.
1: We share our fields with the high schools and the <laughs> local rec teams and and everyone else, and it's still better than
0: the World Series. Yeah, and and to me that's
1: and and I don't know, and that's mm-hmm. honestly there could be a lot of different reasons, and that's the thing is like I'm not trying to make waves. Like, how do we communicate this in, in a fair way? Like, mm-hmm. are we just not saying the right things? Are we not doing the right you know, what's the steps that we need to take to get our kids where they need to go? Because that's really what we're wanting to do, mm-hmm. is level it up for our kids, mm-hmm. right? We tell them, you know, you want nice things, win games. And they win, and then but they're they like... But they want, they did what you, they were asked to do. Right, right. And then we get there, and it's, and like I say, we, but like, our teams get to those places, and it's not,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it's not any better than what we have at home.
0: The uh, And you, you mentioned the idea, you know, region directors and leadership and all that, What you and that that is a good question that I don't know the answer to. I'm not sure you know the answer to it. You probably have a better idea of it though. Is it is it a lack of communication from coaches who just don't necessarily feel like they either want to or can stand up for themselves in their program? Right. That's- or is it region directors where or or are our coaches doing this all the time and it's just falling on deaf ears because you have a region director who's collecting a nice little paycheck and he's just trying to he or she's just trying to live their life. You know,
1: I, I don't. I don't know. It's where I don't. I'm not sure where it's at or where the disconnect is, and I think that's something that we need to do a better job of trying to figure out where it is. I always try to give a little grace in some spots because mm-hmm. I would hope that if I, you know, that I get some grace back in some places when you where, need it, yeah. yeah, some places <laughs> where I thought, oh, it should just be done this way, and I'm not really realizing the backside of things. So I think that the it's not really like my intent today is not to create waves. It's just to find a solution <laughs> in that sense because we are asking our kids to do, we are holding them to high standards and asking them to do these things. And then we want to, you know, we want to represent them. So we bring it to, you know, the higher up above us, whether it's our AD or whatever. And then is that being relayed, um, you know, the right way into the right people? Or are are we all just complaining way, way too much? And everyone's like, ah, they just complain. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so the question is, how do we get through? I mean, what do you, what, what do we need to level up? You know, that's the big thing is, is it having, I mean, even at the division two side, we talk about. There's what six teams that are ranked like you yeah. have six teams that are nationally ranked out of the Jayhawk in the Division Two. What a like we're winning like yeah we're doing the things that you told us to do to win to get kids in do things right you know compete 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 and they are I mean mm-hmm. they are so like what's the next step that we need to take to get where we need to go
0: to make sure. And I want to keep having this conversation, but we're going to have it on the online portion of this show. we got to wrap it up here for the radio portion here on KOKC. Sam, thanks for coming in. Yep. Uh, stick with If you want to hear more of Sam making waves with the NJCAA, just like she wants to. Not. Not it at all. <laughs> not it at all. Uh, go, uh, go listen to the show online. You can go to KOKC website or you can go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and, and listen to The War Room. Uh, thank you, Coach Campbell, for coming in. Yep. Um, and uh, thank you to the radio listeners uh, for your li- for, for your audience. Uh, stay safe. God bless. Get vaccinated. And if you're listening to this online, we'll be right back. And we're back here on The War Room. More Sam Campbell, head coach of Independence Community College Softball, the Pirates. Uh, you guys had a good year. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I think this year in ath- in college athletics as a whole, I think, uh, part of the pandemic and part of what I think is a new civil rights movement. I think a lot of people in a lot of areas of life are thinking about how we can evolve. And I think athletic, co- in particular college athletics, is seeing a big evolution right now. You're seeing in the NCAA that athletes are about to be able to profit off their name, and li- name, image, and mm-hmm. likeness, NIL, as, as it's like to be said. Uh, I'd love to see what the NJCAA does with that in in the future. I, I mean, how I mean, how cool would it be that your you know your your players could go make a few bucks by appearing in some independence car dealership commercial or something like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's cool if it's. I mean, like it's got to be the right kid, and then you've got to have the support to build the program, or it's mm-hmm. going to be one program that's giving their kids money and exactly. others that are not. You know.
0: So let's talk about how as we continue to evolve one of those evolutions is equity. And Mm -hmm. let's just talk about Independence Community College. You're in there every day. Uh, You know, one thing we were talking about off air right before we just started recording a minute ago was, you know, the the concept of revenue sports. Uh, And obviously, Mm -hmm. generally, that's in in the NCAA, what a revenue sport is, is football and men's basketball. And those are the only two sports, by and large, there's a couple exceptions here and there, like UConn women's basketball and stuff like that. but basically every other sport at every other school in the country at the NCAA level, you know, op, runs in the red. Right. And I would bet that, you know, but what does run in the red mean? And I would argue it's true even for football and men's basketball at most junior colleges. But I also think the, the, the purpose of athletics at junior college is different. And I'll just use a as an example. Cause I, cause I, it's a school I cover and I know, I know it a little more. And I think I can explain it a little more. So they have they have a new dorm complex that where the school has a contract with the operator of the dorms. I'm trying Bluffstone. Yeah, they have a, the they villas. The Bluffstone. villas, yeah, where that those villas have to be filled up to a certain percentage. I think it's either it's in the high 80s or maybe 90s. Uh, it has to be filled to a percentage cap. Otherwise, the school is on the hook.
1: Mm-hmm. The we we of run it. off the same company.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, well, guess what the The vast, vast majority of kids that of college students that live in the dorms here in Parsons for LaBette community College are ath- are student athletes. Oh, yeah. And so that living opportunity and f- and fulfilling that contract on behalf of the school is provided by athletics. Mm-hmm. And because of how scholarships are structured, both in the conference and every sport at LaBette besides wrestling and baseball is Division two. Uh, so you can't give full scholarships. Right. Division two scholarships generally only cover books, tuition, and fees. Thank you. I did a whole story on this a couple of years ago, and I still have to recall the details. It's good to have you here because you deal with this every day.
1: <laughs> but, well, I'm um, making the leap from one side to the other. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it. like I, we, when I got it, it was. I mean, not to cut you off there, but this is a little bit of that. Like we, we were, um, you know, division two, and then I get the program, and it's moved division one to offset. You know, maybe you're more. Your bigger. They wanted money. to offer a female you're,
0: Division One sport to offset football, basically.
1: Right, your your bigger sport there, and that's the thing is at that time we talk about is it was it the right move for the program? It looks like you're you're giving taking your a women, step up and getting more opportunities. Yeah, you're giving your women a D one chance because then you, we talk about that D one you know at a Duco here in the Jayhawk is uh, D one can you could offer books tuition fees. Room board, housing, mills, all the things. So you what could offer, it, a true freaking, full ride, what you would consider if, you, if someone yeah. said she got a full ride, you're thinking, man, she got everything paid for, housing, mills, yeah, everything. But the Division II full ride is a little bit different in this it's both conference. tuition
0: and fees. You're still paying right. your and in the co- in the Jayhawk conference until just a few years ago, you couldn't even pay fees.
1: Right. So it's not it's not that if you are a Division One that now you have all these full rides. That's not even the case because. Just because you have the ability doesn't mean your budget got bigger to do those things.
0: And let's just be real, too. Your full D2 roster is not going to be, you know, how many players on average you get? About 20, 25, something yeah, like that? Yeah, I mean, we
1: we're, we LOI 24. Okay, so, and, and, letter of intent. And different, so, yeah, so different schools can do different things. You're not going to have
0: 24 kids. And maybe, maybe Independence does, but I know LeBette does not have 24 kids on books, tuition, and fees covered across the board they may have it up to a certain amount of hours like 12 right but a lot of kids will take 15 to 18 hours right. and they're gonna to. be on the hook for that
1: yeah you, i mean you need to take they need to take more than 12 hours to, to, to graduate yeah. on
0: time yeah or, or, or yeah you either have to take i always took 12 hours when i was a student manager at k-state I always took 12 hours in the in fall and spring semesters, but then I took a winter class and a summer class yeah, you to have, offset that.
1: You have to take 12 to be a full-time student. It gets mm-hmm. your scholarship. But, I mean, it, a, a general mm-hmm. associate's degree is taking, you know, 64 hours or more. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to maintain, you know.
0: But one thing, another thing athletics does to help bolster the, you know, we talk about operating in the red. Well, I think the, a school would operate more in the red if it didn't have athletics because one thing, the whole investment into athletics is, Athletics across the board increases the graduation rate of a school because the the graduation rate of student athletes is higher by about depending on where you look about anywhere from fifteen to twenty five percentage points. Uh, it's higher than the general student body, and it's more at JUCO because oh, yeah. JUCO you just you just junior colleges you're going to have a lot of turnover. You you'll have a guy who just goes there to take one class for one yeah. thing, and well they count the same as as your student athlete who was there for two years and got a degree. They count the same as to your graduation rate. So, and graduation rates are often tied to state funding levels. So, a school's investment into a, into its athletic program is an investment into its bottom line, into yeah. its budget. That is the purpose of junior college athletics, at least from the on paper budget side. The other side is your is your fl- philosophy. You, I think
1: for you your know. smaller schools, like around here, like around yeah, here, like like exactly if you're for. if you're you know, probably KCK isn't relying on athletics as much as no, you know, and and someone in Johnson the city, County, yeah, your Overland Park, like. They're not relying just on athletics. So whereas we do bring a large population into these schools, that India, I mean, we're primarily athletes, student athletes. Yeah,
0: and that is a and and to me too, I, I think junior college athletic. I mean, think about this: Parsons, Kansas, and Independence, Kansas. They have college programs. They have a co- you guys have a college football program, mm-hmm. and Labette they, and here in Parsons, they this, the town of Parsons, twelve thousand people in rural Kansas has a college softball, baseball, wrestling, men's and women's basketball, and volleyball program mm-hmm. that can provide insight to all the area community. One, one, of my, one of my things I like to say is it pissed me off that I didn't hardly see any high school coaches or athletes go watch Alex Break play. Why? She's the national pitcher of the year. If I was a softball coach at, a high, at Parsons High School and they haven't won a game in three years, if I was the head coach, I would have been like, I would have told my pitchers, you don't need to be here at practice. Go watch her play <laughs> and go learn. And, and I'll pay for your lessons because she gave lessons. I'll give you, I'll pay for your lessons mm-hmm. too. You need to go, you need to go learn from them. You need to go watch them play. And the, the Parsons high school basketball team does a good job of that. They didn't get to do it this year because Lobet didn't allow fans in due to COVID, but in years past, and I'm sure they'll do it right again once this year, once fans are let back in, they are, they, you know, the, the boys basketball team at Parsons High School, they go to about three or four men's games a year. And, and they're watching college ball and learning from those guys. Mm-hmm. And that—that that is an important part of the community. And, it, and it's going to make your kids better. You want your kid to go get a, I, I think your kid's going to have a better chance at a scholarship if he learns from college athletes. And that's a role you serve. I mean, hell, you play on the same field as Independence Community College. Yeah. I think, oh, you know, yeah. I got to come watch, and, and take photos of a graduation ceremony you held for your team mm-hmm. and after that the independence ad was the high school ad was there yep. and we were and we were shooting a breeze that's that's the type of community community it creates and, and that's why I think we need to see more equity on behalf of the NjCAA and in preserving those opportunities mm-hmm. and the because that's what it's for
1: right I think it it starts I mean it, it always starts at the top but I mean like I said we just have to i I don't know if we just need to do a better job of getting those things out there. We, at this point we're, we kind of feel, I think I can speak for a lot. We just feel kind of stuck because we've been doing these things that we've been asked to do with maybe less resources. And I don't necessarily think that's like the NJCAA's fault mm-hmm. by any means, but we're still getting it done. You know, we talk about nationally ranked teams. You have, I mean, Butler plays right next to the high school field. Like there's a, there's a city field as well. You know, we have, you know, some of your schools, at the KCK, they have their, their own field and, and stuff. But, mm-hmm. And then you have, like, you have Lebet who's playing here on, you know, it's a city field as well. Like we're they, having, It's
0: basically Labette's field. Right, yeah. but <laughs> at,
1: at the end of the day, it's... They
0: do play youth softball on that in the summer.
1: But there's, like, all these different... You're either in the middle of Kansas City or you're here in Parsons, but they're making it to, you know, they're being nationally ranked. Like, they're getting it yeah. done with the resources that's presented. So that's not... The question is, like, what do we got to do to get a little bit more support mm-hmm. to help grow this this sport and give our kids you know what we tell them: like hey when the good things will happen
0: so you mentioned to me off air a couple you know about 20 minutes ago that you were in a meeting with uh all your d2 coaches so so ryan phillips was in that yeah, out, yeah, we were, was right. in on that lana ross was in on that it, is heidi jordan <laughs> Yeah, she's, back, still, she's still back okay love heidi by the way right good coach over there at highland um so all those coaches were in on this meeting, and I assume it was just your your standard conference meeting. Or yeah, whatever. I mean it's just
1: we get our schedule and go over things like that.
0: What was what is something that you feel like is maybe a consensus among conference coaches in the Jayhawk that you feel like could be better in the sport of softball within the Jayhawk? What is something institutional that you guys feel like maybe is a consensus that could improve?
1: I think just communication. I mean, where where does it go? What do we need to do to get it the things that we're concerned about in the right you know to mm-hmm. the right people? I don't think anyone's trying to just come out and be like we deserve we want like Mm -hmm. we'll do the work it's not the that's not the problem
0: just let us
1: (laughs) yeah that's that's what it is now it's the i mean even you know patty uh, yeah so you like she's like she's established right like Mm -hmm. she's having these complaints like she's done everything that you could possibly do and put out some of the best athletes there's no answer, question her right. voice is
0: going to carry more weight than, than yours or Oh, Ryan's.
1: absolutely. And, that's, I, and I also think you have to have that platform to stand on because mm-hmm. we don't necessarily always have, like, I don't think that I have the platform that's well, it's a little bit shakier than Patty's, right? <laughs> like, um, So I, I'm not saying that our administration doesn't support or that people don't want to do the right thing. The question is, are we in the shadows of those more revenue-making sports? And then mm-hmm. we're just... Are
0: like, you guys an afterthought to football, which I, I certainly, you know, There's no question. I think if you look at the the, if you go onto the conference website or you look at their social media presence, there's no question that uh, there's no question that they're gonna they plug football way more than probably any other sport.
1: Yeah, but everyone love. I mean, everyone loves football. I mean, football's. I'm not taking anything away from football. That's it's a big operation to run, hands down. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we have our kids that are out there. They're working hard from you know the Mm -hmm. beginning of school to the end, and they're rolling into, you know, they're going to school for a chance to potentially be a Division One athlete or then to get their degree to go do whatever they want to do. They're not Mm -hmm. trying to go to the show. I mean, mean, what (laughs) is it? There's no six-figure contract at the end. They're playing it for (laughs) pure, like, I'm not saying that people that want to go, you know, to the MLB or anything like that. That's great. Mm -hmm. But our kids aren't getting drafted out of JUCO going to the MLB. You know, they're Mm -hmm. just not They're they're pure. They're genuine. They want to work hard. They want.
0: I think Lebet has had one baseball player ever make it to the minor leagues. Yeah, I mean, and that's it one one guy. But that's the thing <laughs> is, you have
1: a chance. Like, yeah. where are minor leagues in that sense? Even if we, no. I know we, it's hard because you can't. This we're getting out of like the NCAA and like where there mm-hmm. is the Title Nine to kind of keep us all. But where is that for girls? Like after you get out of so my kids right now. Let's say so there's my, not a G League for my, women's Yeah, my, let's say my players want to play. They Get it till they're 18, right? So, if they come to school, they can maybe play that summer right out of their freshman year. And then there's not a league to where guys have, you know, like the Dodge to the A's, like the um, mm-hmm. there's one in El Dorado, there's all types of college, baseball yeah. They can go play, they can go play, and then they have the minor league, and then you know, they have all these things. And like the next step for us is either like go Division One, like that's the that's the show, right? For mm-hmm. us is to go like yeah. they go Division One, and then they potentially one in a few, like one in a very small few make it to these professional teams, but that's not paying the bills. They're they have a job that they work a majority of the year and then for a summer they live the dream.
0: What, and play. what people don't realize, and I think you're you're basically hitting on this, but Patty Gas Patty Gasso complaining about the, the infrastructure and the amenities and, and, and the situ- and just the overall situation at the women's college World series, that's the equivalent of Andy Reid complaining about stuff at the Super Bowl. Right. That, because that's the highest level those girls right. are going to get. And
1: I don't know if she's complaining. I think the the she's bringing to yeah. light. Like, the, would you have known? Exactly. Like, a lot of people don't know. And I think that's the big thing that everyone's trying to do. It's not. It's we want to bring it to light. We want to put some life in it. Like, I, I mean, um, Patrick Murphy even talks about it. He, when he had this little interview, too, he says, the Alabama guy, he tells, like, ADs, if you're looking for something to put your money into, this is it, boys. Like. Mm -hmm. this is kind of it. Like, it's it's a growing thing. I mean, I I think a lot of women's sports are. Oh, yeah. um, But I definitely think at at this level right now, like, softball is a a big thing. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I want to say two things kind of on that. One, I want to double back to something you said earlier. You said, you know, my platform's more shaky than Patty Gas. You're not the OU softball coach, so I'm not going to argue. But at the same time, I want to go back to my community argument, which is if Independence High School – if their coaching staff has a question about softball, whether it's a scheme question or or a technique question, something about the game, to me, in my opinion, the source they should be going to go to the college head coach. <laughs> you should be the chief source of softball in Independence, Kansas, and take that for and, what
1: and you and want. I, I think it's, it's, it's different at each level. I mean, Danny Burnett's our high school coach there. I mean, uh, Kim Kim's assistant, Baylor mm. Burnett's actually you know his daughter. So and he has his other daughter plays at NEO. Um, a, a good guy there, but I, I think. It, Every, we all have a different level of kids we're trying to teach mm-hmm. um, and coach to to win. I mean, I go out and kind of get my kids. He gets what's given to him. So a yeah. little bit different there. But, yeah, I do think there should be somewhat. I have no problem talking to Danny Nortes. I think he has a problem talking to me. That's, Who is were, this? Danny Burnett is the Indy high school coach. Okay. So I don't think anyone has a problem with communicating amongst coaches. Like, I don't Mm-mm. really think there's that big of a. A divide uh, most of us are willing to share if actually if probably if you're willing to talk to any of us about soft bubble we'll talk way too long about it like we're <laughs> willing to to get it out there and do whatever we can to help mm-hmm. um the greater of the group you know mm-hmm.
0: but uh and then the second thing i was going to say is uh i guess i guess i lost my train of thought but uh i, I mean one thing you know it struck me as odd, certainly, that they were playing games at midnight in the Women's College World Series. No way are they going to do that in the baseball World Series. In the NCAA. no, you're not
1: going to even ask your you're not going to ask your guys to throw back to back games. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to throw, and everyone's always like, "Oh, I, I hear this all the time," and it drives me insane because they're like, "Oh, well, it's softball. Your girl can throw again. Yes, she can throw again, but that doesn't mean that she should throw again today. Mm-hmm. Did we just, I mean, if you're wanting the best softball, asking me to throw my ace back to back to back to back. With maybe if we're playing at midnight and I have to play the next day, you're not gonna get the mm-hmm. best out of her. You're gonna set, you're gonna set us up or anyone up in a bad situation. So just mm-hmm. because they can, don't mean they should. I mean, your guy can keep going too. Just because he hits his pitch count doesn't mean he can't keep going. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you guys have rules. I mean, high school baseball they run off a pitch count, whereas high school softball they don't run off of a pitch count. No. Like you got to go get that guy. So yeah, they can keep, they could throw some more. Is it the best for them? No, I think it's the same thing for us. We've just been told you can, and we're like, all right, we want to play bad enough, we will.
0: You know, I, I had a – this is going to – This is, you might think this is stupid. And maybe it may an is. <laughs> okay. But maybe I'm literally going to sound like an idiot here. But I didn't sound like an idiot talking to the baseball guy I was talking to because we. I don't think either of us know. But, you know, you do see softball pitchers pick, pitch back to back to back, and that's because – and it always annoys me. You know, a friend of mine texted me the other day, you know, and she goes, I get so annoyed when announcers at the Women's College World Series talk about, "Oh, she hit a hundred pitches." That's not a that's not a substantial milestone in a college softball game or for a college pitcher because the wear on your arm isn't there. It's certainly more in the back and the hips and the motion of that. Mm-hmm. But they can go longer because of that. I've always so that made me wonder. You you see so many pitchers on. I mean, it, we've gotten to a point in society today where basically every pitcher is going to have to have Tommy John at some point, right? Could a baseball pitcher legally within the baseball rules use a softball motion to pitch? And could it get to a point where it, it that's an effective pitch? You see some marine pitchers, and some marine pitchers don't get hurt nearly as often. Could someone use that motion legally within the confines of baseball? So obviously how a softball pitcher pitches, how most every so <coughs> excuse me, how most every softball pitcher pitches would be illegal in baseball because once you plant your front leg, you can't lift it back up, and you have to keep a foot on the rubber So, b- before you release the ball. Could it be done, though? You, um,
1: I mean, uh, I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, you're throwing yeah. a lot farther. We're throwing 43 feet. I yeah. mean, they're throwing 60 foot 6 inches off of a hill. There'd be a mm-hmm. lot of change there, I think.
0: And that's why I... You see it in baseball and softball. You go, why would a batter swing at that pitch? Well, it's because the break point, especially when you get to, you know, women's college, World Series level, but you even see there was a pitcher for for Highland who had some nasty stuff this year. Uh, Lily Berry, I think, was her name. Uh, anyway, there was a Highland pitcher who had some nasty stuff. She ended up beating Labette this year. Uh, her, break point, uh, uh, her break point on her drop and her rise was the same, and they were thrown at similar velocities. So, it's harder to read. If it's going and up so, or yeah. down. Yeah, so you yeah. think that pitch might be going <laughs> down, and all of a sudden it's at your eye level. Yeah. And, I mean, that is, pitching in general, in both on both sides of the sport. stuff is nasty these oh, days. Yeah. It's way nastier than when you played.
1: Oh, I, I, I don't know. There was some good kids when I played. Mm-hmm. We The rise ball was like the thing when I played. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we had one, Taylor Paulson, she could yeah. throw it. Um, All-American Al- Al- pitcher, Al- if
0: I remember correctly. Do it. All American pitcher Taylor Paulson, if I remember correctly.
1: Good question. Yeah, been I fell asleep a couple of times since then. She, she
0: she's had a uh, she she held basically every pitching every meaningful pitching record at LaBette yeah. until Alex Break got there. Yeah,
1: for sure. And, then, and now mean, she's like second. And but that was like there was a a bunch. Um, Allen County had the the boring kid Brown Mackey when they were still in the conference, and that stuff they had one that could throw it well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I do think. Um, I thought that I knew, you know, those kids could move it. Like, I thought I'd I'd see some kids that could move it, but they moved it really well, you know, Mm -hmm. especially up in the zone. But, yeah, I know you talk about, the, you know, the Highland kid being able to throw it. They just tunnel their pitches really well, so it's very deceiving. It stays in the same, you know, the same tunnel going,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: goes up, goes down. I mean, baseball guys do it, you know, really well, too. Is it going
0: to come
1: in or come out, you know?
0: Do you – uh? And this is something I've always wondered as, as a coach, and I guess you, it, it applies to baseball, too. You weren't a pitcher in college. No. You were—you you don't—
1: Never, never, <laughs> ever, ever. God did not bless me that way.
0: Hey, have you ever pitched in a live game beyond, like, middle school?
1: JV in high school.
0: You were, okay. So, I mean, <laughs> it that's, was more awful. Than, that's more than, like, Ryan Phillips had. You know, he wasn't—he came from no softball knowledge. How do you even get to a point where you can be a college softball coach for pitchers? I mean— How difficult? I mean, because I would imagine a lot of those recruits probably know more than you about pitching. They've been with pitching coaches. Yeah,
1: just for me, I rely off a lot of things I've watched and studied and talked. It's just a. I would imagine a lot of. It's very hard because you're not. A lot of things when I, I, you know, I can do a lot of things off of feel right. Like I can Mm -hmm. tell my kids like, this is how I felt, or when you feel this, this is how you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can teach them to kind of do. But if you're, if you've never done those things, like you, yeah. when they're explaining stuff as a pitcher, like I feel, and you're like, I see. <laughs> so um, it does take a, l- a little bit of, you know. Just, it takes some
0: trust, I would imagine. Yeah,
1: you just got to do your homework on the backside. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had Maddie Smith was my, my pitching coach my first year. And um, I mean, she was my assistant. And I I utilized her quite a bit. And then just, mm-hmm. this will be, you know, what, my 10th, this coming up will be my 10th year in the Jayhawks. Like, just knowing people and just talking to people and going to going to camps and, mm-hmm. and trying to stay on top of things and uh, just trying to set your kids up for the best success. But as of, as of a pitcher, just being like, oh, yeah, I know how to fix that because I did it this way. You should do it that way. I don't have that feel. I don't have that natural instinct to, to pitch like yeah.
0: that. So you, you mentioned coaching uh, and your coaching staff. You're going to have to replace your assistant this year. He I took am. a job at Gardner-Webb. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you're back to being a one woman show, which is, I think that's how, you, that's just how you operate. It really. honestly <laughs> is. That's, I mean,
1: when I talk about Maddie, she was there. I, I took the job in July my first year and I had Maddie the, the first season. And then, you know, and I lose her as soon as uh, the season's over uh, to take a, another job, you know, a mm-hmm. better job. Uh, and then my second year, the COVID year, gosh, that year was rough. I didn't really lock someone in. I I didn't think that our, my idea at the time was too big on. He actually thought that I didn't need an assistant, which was crazy because at this level we do everything. So um, I didn't have it. He's nap- gone, right? Yeah, he's gone. So <laughs> I, I didn't get an assistant until you know Christmas break, and then that's
0: when you got Tyler, right? No,
1: no, no. I I had another girl, um, and then um, oh, that was the COVID and then the COVID year. year. So obviously the big changes there, and then I I picked Tyler up. Um, I don't actually have Tyler in the fall. I actually hired a girl from uh, Tennessee, and then I'm all about, like, you know, two weeks out of school coming in, you know, this season. Uh, and she
0: fell through, I remember that. Yeah,
1: she winds up going in as a volunteer assistant at uh, the University of Tennessee, I believe, or...
0: Mm-hmm. Somewhere, in, somewhere on the... Yeah, she in the goes in
1: it takes a D1 volunteer assistant, and I actually get Tyler late in the year coming off of a volunteer assistant job at App
0: You were Act through State. your fall season, I think, at that point.
1: Yeah, I got Tyler in, like, October. Yeah. So I pick him up, and he comes in and, and does some you know good things with this. I send him on the recruiting trail, and mm-hmm. um, we worked really hard. Um, we had two pitchers this year, so we really had to do everything we could to set them up for success because we didn't have anything else in the pin. So we worked really <laughs> hard to always put them in the best situation possible, um, you know, to – ride them out all year long.
0: Yeah. Uh, and really me bringing up coaching brings up the recruiting trail. You're going to have to hit the recruiting trail hard this summer just like every coach has to do all yep. the time. Uh, we were talking about recruiting a little bit off air. Uh, what are you really looking for in, in a kid mechanically, talent-wise? What are you kind of looking for when you go to these big summer travel ball tournaments? Because some of those teams are going to have legitimate D1 prospects. I remember when Ooh. Emily Vance was the assistant coach under Ryan. She was the one that came after Kalani Bryan who's mm-hmm. now at Fort Scott. Uh, you know, Emily Vance was telling me like, oh, I'm watching the same game Patty Gasso is right now. Yeah, like, that's always clearly fun. Not looking at the same that's,
1: kid. That's always fun because then you go <laughs> sit down and you you hang out and you're like, okay, how old's this kid? Like, first you got to figure out all the facts, right? They're like, okay, is she like you see a sophomore? And you're like, oh, yeah, she's probably a senior. And then you're like, okay, no, she's a sophomore. And mm-hmm. then you're trying to figure out all the ins and outs of things if you don't already if you haven't already vetted out these kids and know who you're going to watch and then you're feeling good about some things like oh yeah i'm gonna go talk to this kid and then here comes even, even <laughs> anyone you know anyone even like a division two school or a division, you, know, yeah. you know you're like dang it who are you here for so you start trying to figure out like you're trying to see who they're watching while you're watching who you're watching and you're like am i watching someone that's mm-hmm. already committed is she are they going to mm-hmm. talk to the same kid like it's always a great feeling too when you wait at the end of a game to talk to someone and there's like three people waiting in line. And you're like, no, no, you go first. Or you're like, I'm going first. Like, so it's, it's always, it's it's hard. You you never know. I mean, I think there's some kids that slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And there's some kids that, you know, they... Because they if move. you
0: were there watching a whole game for one player, you probably didn't notice the other player who, who there weren't any people watching for.
1: Right. And, and, well,
0: and that's always going to happen.
1: I've picked up a lot of kids watching other kids. Like, yeah. I I've I've went to watch this kid, and I liked this one you know as mm-hmm. much or more or you know or she comes into the mix as well like that's that happens a lot like you get a mm-hmm. lead on a kid or you hear about a kid you want to go look at a kid and then you wind up watching another kid you know on their team or whatever yeah it's, i mean that's mm-hmm. that's just the way it goes
0: okay so i'll take you through an exercise here let's let's pretend i'm a i'm a high school girl so oh, gosh. not so a lot of people say that's how I all act, right
1: sean so. we're pretending all right <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is what i deal with all the time when i talk to you <laughs> uh get i'm coming off the field i had i had i had a game where you, you were coming to look at me play and I, I gave you enough to feel like all right i'm still interested in talking to me i'm coming off the field what's your pitch to me
1: what well, are you, how are you
0: introducing yourself i and mean I them
1: who, who we are you know what we represent i ask them you know what their plans are what well, we talked about earlier like i need to see if it's the right fit you know uh, are you looking to get into what? Are you looking to play college ball? Are you going to talk to a JUCO? Some kids don't have that mentality, Mm -hmm. right? They, they want, they want that four year look. It doesn't matter if it's NAI or not. So, but really you're just seeing if you can connect with the kid and if that's a good fit and then you're going to sell them on, you know, what you would look at them for. I mean, I'm honest. I'll tell you right now, I, if you're talking to, you know, even if you're talking to Allen County at this point, like I don't have a turf facility, like, yeah, I mean, but you're, you're selling an opportunity for a kid to come in. And if it's something they want to do and if it's a good fit, I mean, I always joke with my AD and he's I was like, how would you get this kid here? My guy, like, I sold my soul. Like, um, <laughs> no, you just there's a connection there. Kids, kids want to be, you know, they they want to be pursued. They want an opportunity. They want to feel comfortable is where they're going. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's a, it's all a fit thing. If I mean, some kids, they're not for me and I'm not for them. But, you know, what, you try to figure that
0: out. What's one thing a kid or a parent could say that would turn you off to them? even if you thought they were capable athletically?
1: Um, I think we we all talk about this. And my AD, which uh, Eric Figerski, I like. he's He supports me. I mean, he helped me make the move back Division Two, Which um, I know was,
0: that was important to you.
1: Right, and, and he's really stuck by me, and he's helping me do some things through the COVID and some crazy things. He knows, I yeah. mean, he, he sees it. He's, he's seeing it more and more. But we used to talk about, like, go get these kids that are, you know, would you get this kid that's just a complete and total head case, but maybe wins you a few more games. Well, eh, I doubt that the first baseman that's a pain in the butt's gonna win me a few more games, but maybe, you know, you
0: then- A pitcher it, might.
1: A pitcher, right. So you start <laughs> thinking about things like that. You're like, can I change them? Will I be this? Do they just need this structure, mm-hmm. you know, structure brings success? But I used to like be super turned off to like, I'm not gonna go get this kid. One, you've heard my track record with assistants. It's just me, right? It's me and my kids. We're going to take it on, right? Like we're going to do big things. Do I have time to waste on you whining and being like this? You know. Yeah. Are you going to be a cancer? We all worry about that. So, um, a big thing is just character. Like, yeah, talent brings brings us to you, but character takes you so much farther. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: you, you mentioned the kids that don't even look JUCO and that prefer NAIa. There's exceptions to every rule, but my rule is, uh, go walk onto a JUCO before you go NAIa. <laughs> First off, from a financial standpoint. NAIAs in Kansas, they're, I'm pretty sure they're all private schools. They they're are all private. private schools, and they're, they're going to charge you $40,000 to go there for a year. So even if the school says, well, we're giving you $10,000, and that's more, and you're telling them, well, I'm going to give you $500, so you think, oh, wow, $10,000, that's the way better offer. No, it's not, because it only costs $2,000 to go to... Independence Community College, and it's going to cost you forty to go over there. And I think the I think the talent level is better in the Jayhawk. I think I, most I'll, Jayhawk I'll teams will t- beat in I'll well.
1: tell you this: like I'll, I'll disagree with you here. Like we can we can do this back and <laughs> forth disagreement thing that we do. I think NAI's bring a value to the table. I obviously push my kids out to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know you're saying, like if you're getting into your I'm career, like, out of high like straight out of high school. The question is, some kids coming out of high school. Probably, I mean, we're looking at it as a girl standpoint, right? I always tell my recruits, like, you cannot play softball forever. You've got to get an education, right? There is no six-figure contract at the end of this. When when you stop and hang up your cleats, it's not there. So what's going to set you better? And some kids come out of high school with almost an associate's degree. Yeah. It's not going to do them very well academically, and that's the thing. We're trying to set our kids up for the best route. So maybe them going to that, if they come to me for a year, Okay, great. Or is it better off that they just go there because they have, you know, the programs that they're wanting, and you're you're paying for a bigger degree. You're paying for an associate's versus a bachelor's. So Mm -hmm. there's some there's some things there.
0: And and you're right. I I guess I'm coming from the perspective of if you're. Top goal that you'll essentially put everything else on the back burner for is to get to the highest level of competition possible at the at the most fiscally right, like responsible You're putting path. ball
1: in front of just play as long as you can and then you yeah. can do the rest later. Then to me, of
0: JUCO's thing. the route. But you're right. There's, there's NAIAs yeah. everywhere in the world that, you know, if, I don't know, it could be any academic discipline, nursing, radiology, uh, engineering, anything. There are NAIAs out there who have elite programs in that. And if playing uh, if playing a sport at that school could help you pursue that dream, then you're right. Then that that's the better move. I right. guess my perspective is if if I have a daughter or a son who, and they tell me I want to be a college athlete and I want to make it as far up that ladder as I can, but coming out of high school it looks like I'm only going to be able to go NAIA or JUCO because no NCAA's are offering me. I'm gonna put my kid in JUCO.
1: Yeah, I think if the if the the money's right, the classes are right, and all those things, I think JUCO is the right route. But I'm not gonna ever like my kids not to go um to that for you yeah it bums me out when i'm competing with someone i'm like oh my gosh financially yeah i'm i can set you up better and there's like more often than not when i go to you as a juco kid like your opportunity to play is a little bit greater we're not you're as the you know an nai they potentially have those jv those jv rosters that you could potentially fall into you know so i mean but it's a chance to play and that's i don't think you should turn your nose up at any chance it's just the better chance if we have the same like you don't have your associates almost and the opportunity to play is there financially, opportunity, yeah, come come to a JUCO. Let us get, you'll get more experience and then we'll turn you out in two years and you'll go the same in AIA anyway, you yeah. know? And, and then that's great because now you're probably going to get more money because you are not as green. I mean, you know, I mean, you mm-hmm. have some games under your belt. I'd uh, also
0: argue, I think a lot of, I think some of your average and above JUCOs would beat those AIA teams. Like, I legitimately think they're better teams.
1: Yeah, but I think some of the NAIs are coming around. I really do. And I don't know, like, some of the thing is I think this COVID was going to put us in a a little Mm -hmm. bit of a crunch because kids that were going, they have their years of eligibility. Like, I have kids that played for me. Like, my kid played for me my very first year. Um, She's going to Kansas Wesleyan now. She has three years of eligibility, and she's played every game for me. So her freshman year the COVID year with 20 games and this year. Where they didn't year. charge
0: eligibility and right. then they didn't charge eligibility this year. Right. So
1: she's played two full seasons and then a little mini COVID season. And now she's going, you know, she still has three years of eligibility. My pitcher um, didn't play at a JUCO, transferred, comes to me, um, all years intact. COVID years is her first year, comes out this year, leads the conference in strikeouts. She's going to an AIA, and, and she still
0: has four years.
1: Still has four years. And she had... Um, She's just a super smart kid, great kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had the NAI offer. She had Division yeah. Two. She even had a Division One. Yeah. But that NAI is gonna set her up better for what she's wanting to do after.
0: What does she want to do?
1: She wants Who? to be. A, she wants to be. A, it's Brooke Vickery.
0: Okay. Yeah. What does she want to do?
1: She wants to go into law. So good for her. Um, I'm not well, sure what kind of law, but she. But this school's gonna have like she's has going. A law, has a law she's going to get. She's a pitcher. It. She's gonna get the. She's, Probably gonna get the opportunity to get the ball, which she wants. She's a gamer, right? So yeah. She's gonna get that, and she's has that eligibility intact. And then they, you know, they're gonna give her a good, a fair amount of money because she's, I mean, she led the conference in strikeouts. Like she's God. She's she's credible, and she can take college classes. And you know, she's not that uh, as big of a liability. She's there. She knows what she wants to do. And mm-hmm. I mean, so I think it fits her really well.
0: Uh, you know. You, you talked about the recruiting crunch and everything with all the eligibility concerns. It's putting a lot of, I, th- I think, who it's hit the hardest and negatively is the incoming high school class because they have fewer opportunities. What you're seeing at a lot of NCAA and even some JUCOs is obviously kids are taking advantage, and they're staying put. Yeah, They're saying, all right, I'm just going to stick around. LaBette, softball might have a player that oh, will stick I, I around mean, for third a third year. I a
1: super sophomore. Like,
0: Ryan had my, one this my year. Ca-
1: Cassie Smith was my super sophomore. and. Mm-hmm. I mean that. Okay, yeah. like stay if you can. If they have, if I can keep them, um, and it's not going to hurt them in the long run. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep them.
0: And the, and at the four-year level, there's a lot more opportunity to right. stay because no one's, because they can go to grad school.
1: Absolutely. Tristan Gegg, <laughs> who
0: was a superstar basketball player, superstar athlete at LeBec County High School, she's at Pitt State now. Very good basketball player at Pitt State. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure this year would have this past season would would have been her senior season. She's going to go into next year being a junior, mm-hmm. at, at least from an eligibility standpoint. Right. But I'm pretty sure she's going to spend her, but she's going to play out her junior and senior at Pitt State, and she's going to go get a master's degree.
1: Mm-hmm. That's smart. Yeah. And I think a lot of our kids, it's a good opportunity for them, but also it it kind of jams up the road a bit for the incoming yeah, it, kids.
0: J- exactly. Your,
1: your kids that potentially are D1 or... Are staying, you know, D two, D two, or NAIA, NAIA, mm-hmm. you know, JUCO kids. Like it's, it's kind of a crazy mix right now.
0: And what I think too, there's a part of that what that road jam creates is actually an opportunity to an extent because if you have high school freshmen coming up that maybe are are used to getting that mid major D one offer or, or high level D two offer, there's no space for them at those schools, so where they have to go down the ladder and That's what down saying. the yeah. ladder might be JUCO. That's also- what I'm
1: saying. Like everyone's moving. Because it could be potentially be D one, they're gonna go D two, and D two, you know, they're They're gonna gonna go, go, they're gonna go, or N A I A or whatever the case may be. So it's it's gonna be a crazy, crazy game for a little while.
0: Oh yeah, and to be and just from a pure enjoyment standpoint of me going to watch, I think it's gonna be better ball, better ball to watch. I
1: think this year was better ball. I think I we had. I mean, like I said, not my season. Probably, you know, we were above five hundred, but I mean, we were. I thought we were fun to watch at times. Like kids wanted to play. Like.
0: This was by far, I think, the most, it, uh, on the softball side, this was the most fun I had watching the team. Obviously, because LeBette was good this year, I enjoy watching Ryan coach. You make no qualms about teasing me on that, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, he is a fun coach to watch. He likes, he of,
1: loves, he loves watching Ryan
0: coach. <laughs> and, <laughs> I hate you. Uh, and the other part of it, too, was the conference was good. I mean, we talked yeah. about that earlier. I mean... Half the conference was nationally ranked, but even the non-nationally ranked teams—I mean, they were—they were giving everybody no, games. Right. It was just a dogfight out there. there. Was, you like, couldn't look past
1: anyone. That's uh, what was scary. I mean, and, was, and, and, as you should. And you teach your kids to play every day, yeah. but there was like teams that you—I mean, there's teams probably. This year's York
0: County team—they they would have won in 2015. They would have gotten to the national tournament. They would have beaten break. Yeah,
1: we tapped out pitching-wise that year. That's, I mean, that's what it comes down to. You ran out of
0: pitchers in that game three, basically. Yeah, we,
1: I think our kid that we had, she showed up late, which seems to be an year-show kind of thing. The kid threw really well late, and honestly, I think was a little scared of her success at Mm -hmm. the time. And then, um, you know, we had, we weren't super deep in arms. um, And we had another sophomore that played in the outfield for us a little bit that Mm -hmm. pitched. she actually closed that game out. Um, And then we had a, a Barton transfer, I believe, and, um we just, we knew if if we, if she got rattled, I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, got found fame late, I guess, so then got rattled a little bit by how close we were. I think she was starting to feel the the pressure of it. Um, and then just pitching and pitching and pitching. And we were going to ride her out. And then when she tapped out, we didn't have any, you know.
0: No arm behind her.
1: We, we had an arm, but LeBet had her number, I mean.
0: Mm-hmm. one thi- So one thing about, you know, we were talking about recruiting and pitchers and everything like that. I, an opinion i have of softball in general is i think i think a softball pitcher is the most high leverage position in any sport if you have a if you have a i don't mean to keep going back to the well alex breaking that team what a lot of people don't realize is that team hit in the 200s mm-hmm. they were not a good offense mm-hmm. in fact hitting in the 200s that was their worst mark since like 2008 when uh, for a team that won like seven games or something like that I mean, their offense was historically bad. For but they had a national pitcher there, and that t- she took them. Into, in that that was enough to go from winning eight games that, with the, that offense to finishing fifth in the country, right. and going to the national tournament. And you, you see it. I mean, Labette had a must-win game to win the conference against Highland. Highland had their, put their ace out there, and that to me that was it. Have right. had their ace out there, who was the best pitcher in the co- in the conference that, this year. And Lily, uh, uh, surely you're cognizant of the fact that a, that a good level pitcher, a good pitcher is going to get oh, yeah. a high a lot of deficiencies. Uh, a p-
1: a pitcher is going to yeah cover some things up. They can do it. You know, they can do it. On, you see it in the Division One. I, I mean, um, example like Kalani Ricketts. She could mm-hmm. swing it and she could throw it. Like yeah, she she kind of could do it all on her own. She probably won a couple games just. Mulling by people, mowing people <laughs> down, and, and hitting, and there's been more kids like that. the The Oak State kids, Sam mm-hmm. Shaw or whatever, she was one kid that could hit and pitch and do things like that. And I uh, know, no doubt, the kid in the circle. If you have a, a special one, you you're going to win some games off them. I think the yeah. true thing is if you have a couple kids that can can swing it, play a little defense. But if you have two, two, then you you yeah. make it far. I mean, it
0: has it is it has got to be quite the advantage. To be able to go into virtually any series that you want, so any doubleheader conference series, and know that probably eight to nine times out of ten, I'm gonna walk out of there with no less than a split. Mm-hmm. I mean that's I mean, if you're walking in there as 500 or better, that's tough to beat. And I, I really, what I was gonna wonder is, I mean, one, how do you find that pitcher, and two, what do I mean? The other question I was gonna ask is. What do those pitchers look like? Are they more high strikeout pitchers? You know, st- the strikeout rate rising in baseball is a kind of a big storyline right now. Yeah. Is, are there? Are you seeing more strikeouts in softball?
1: I think you can teach some things. I just think kids are starting to throw a little bit harder, and like it's evolving. It's evolving. It's like we talked about. It. It's just we're starting mm-hmm. to outgrow what we were first handed. We're getting to that level where, you know, now it's getting, it's getting just a stat driven, and there's a the process to it. There's like,
0: I know um, in terms of the mechanics, you're seeing a lot of. Extraneous movement um, on softball pitchers eliminated in, in how it's taught. Mm-hmm. People are very focused in the in the in the body in the biomechanics of how a pitcher delivers that pitch to maximize efficiency uh, in, in every aspect. Maximize right, so, and, and,
1: and if I don't know if you've heard them talk about in in, in baseball like effective velocity. It's basically your like your pitch sequences and stuff that makes your pitchers look their pitches look a certain way faster slower. Um, I think it all goes into, I mean, yes, your kid being good and being able to throw, but also just uh, recruiting, like, you know, recruiting the right kid, fitting in the right system, and then doing your homework as a coach to set them up. Like, don't let your kid go out there and throw her best stuff when that kid hits her stuff the
0: best, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you had a pitcher this year that led the conference in strikeouts that had to have been a luxury that you Yeah, she was
1: she's a, she's a transfer kid who didn't make it somewhere else, and I think she just needed a stage to perform and needed mm-hmm. someone to, to kind of to grow with her a little bit, and that's perfect. That was me at Indy. We needed mm-hmm. to grow, and she needed someone, and I needed someone, so it, it worked out really well there. So mm-hmm. um, she she's, she's a good one. We're going to miss her for sure.
0: Are pitchers the hardest ones to get on the recruiting trail?
1: Um... Yes, no. Everyone needs them. Everyone's after them. They got to find a good fit. They usually have more than one offer. So, I mean, that's, everyone's looking for them and you live and die off them. So, if one gets hurt, like, that's the biggest, the scariest thing is, like, my my kid that led the conference in strikeouts, she threw it decently hard, but she didn't always move it the best. And if she has a day where she doesn't move it very well, it scares me if it comes back and gets her, you know? (laughs) I mean, uh, the COVID year, Ryan's kid, uh, the catcher.
0: Um. Uh. Oh, my gosh.
1: Audrey, is that her name?
0: Yes. What is her last name? Audrey Miller.
1: That kid about decapitated her. Like, Brooke goes out, throws, <laughs> and she misses a spot, and she lines out. My, my center fielder catches it at her chest. Like, I, I was one of the hardest hit balls ever. She was ever. a
0: hard hitter, by oh, the way. Oh, my gosh. So, and she Brooke threw a...
1: pretty hard, and she left it right over the dish, and she was like, I'm going to cut this ball in half and maybe take some of you with it when it goes. Like
0: Audrey Miller... This will come as a shock to you, Audrey Miller. If you it, gun to my head, who is my favorite player of all time at Lebet since I've been here? So for seven years, it's Audrey Miller. It's not Alex Break. It's Audrey Miller mainly because I had like a good little rapport with her in the dugout when I would shoot, shoot photos <laughs> right. and stuff like that. Like her catcher's gear and where she sat was always right by where I stood, so I would shoot and I would be, I would tell her be like, all right, what are you seeing in the batters? How are you calling the game and stuff like that? And we would have intelligent conversations about that. But also, I loved her story and the fact that she, I'm trying to remember where she went. went to a school near heston uh not mcpherson somewhere in that area though she went to a 4a high school in that area and uh she was like she batted like six at her high school at a 4a in kansas and she was like fifth in batting average never led the team in any of your triple crown categories or anything like that she had one naia offer out of high school nobody in the Jayhawk had offered her no Juco had offered her she but one of her best friends from her travel team was the shortstop at LaBette was a year older than her. her name was Peyton Nye and so Peyton told Ryan hey give this girl a look and so Ryan did and basically took a flyer on her and in her first year she becomes an all-american catcher who could who could
1: punish the ball. they just need some some of them just need a little bit of work they need to uh, just to see or hear something new and also I think what you hold your kids to the standard, like, if they rise. I think structure breeds success. I think, you know, just talent breeds talent. Like, you have mm-hmm. kids that are can do it, and that kid's like, okay. And then you have those kids that are like, hey, when I leave, you got to do this. Like, this is you now. And you buy into that. I mean, you've talked about it before. LaBette has a pretty strong family feel. Like, we're all kind of still around. I if mean- I had a
0: real criticism of Brian, and let's see if he ever talks to me again after I say this. There's a real problem of girls who struggle at the four-year level finding a, a good fit. You see a lot of them quit after a year. Yeah. You see they ju- or they just That's... say, I didn't like it. And you want, you wonder, well, why is that? Well, a lot of them will say, well, because it wasn't LeBet. It's... Well, my counter to that, if I'm being totally critical and objective, is... Well, that's a Juco coach's job is to get them ready for that level.
1: And I will tell you exactly why, because we all struggle with it. I think as Juco coaches, we are the middleman in their life. They're coming out of high school not knowing a lot. We give them a stage to stand on. We we basically help them on to that next level. We have been a lot, and they make their friends grinding it out in Juco. Like, you don't practice just 10 hours a week. Like, they're going to be, you know, they're doing everything together. So they get that bond with those kids. Mm-hmm. they play with, they see us every single day. Probably more than they want to. We're their driver. We're their, you know, we feed them. We <laughs> we help them every day. We're sitting in their study, halls. You're their study yeah. You're absolutely you're there for almost every problem. Patty Gasol's
0: not at study table. Well, you're there
1: whether you want to be or not, and then you create a culture. Mm-hmm. And I think Patty Gasol probably creates it with amongst her coaches. Mm-hmm. But we do it at the JUCO level by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we're the field maintenance, we're the get your butt to class person, mm-hmm. possibly their advisor, possibly, like, all these things, and then they leave, and they have people are there at those four years, but it's not one single person. Right. We're the, like, they come to us for all the things, mm-hmm. like, my, my tire is flat, I lost my <laughs> keys, where do I get my transcript, I got locked out of my dorm, like, what happened here, like, so you, you do, I mean, they get hurt, you take them to yeah. the hospital. You're the one that's sitting in the waiting room when mom and dad's 10, 15 hours away. Mm-hmm. You're the one that's sitting out there when they get hurt. You're the one that's, hey, it's all right, we're going to get back. You're going to get where you need to go. Like, we're going to take care of you. Like, we've done a lot of things, and we like that. I love that relationship mm-hmm. with my kids. But also, some of my best friends, were from Ajuco, but they also put us, I mean, they, Brian runs this. Like, we used to say that we were, you know, we were a little bit, track
0: you know and
1: you you go through that uh, you bond with people and you don't necessarily see that for you because you are it's not the same little group we almost
0: i mean hell honestly i i would imagine even at this point in your life if you had to rank like you know the 10 or 20 closest people in your life there's probably about half of them were connected to you at labette at one point oh
1: 100
0: i mean 100%. I, I, we all know everybody's favorite kelsey overrackers uh <laughs> i mean hell you lived with her for a little bit no uh,
1: she lived with me That's right. (laughs) Let's flip that. Hold on now. Uh,
0: I mean, you. you, you, I mean, you took over for her at Indy. Uh, Obviously, you were with Kim for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you're close with what? I mean, Lacey Cook, I think, is on that list.
1: Yeah, I mean, I still talk to Lacey. I still talk to Hope. I, you know, I still talk to. Who doesn't love
0: Hope? Yeah, I still talk to. I love Hope story by the way, because she was a below average player at Labette County High School and turns into an all conference outfielder at. LaBette.
1: Absolutely. She's 4'10", 4'11". Like, she's, <laughs> no she's wonder the are
0: third, two are best friends.
1: <laughs> she's like the third baseman from, you know, James Madison. Like the, <laughs> the girl just like, she was because She had like two heirs and everyone just looked past her because she was little. I mean, she just needed a place to perform and someone to mm-hmm. hold her to that standard. And I think LaBette did. I think Ryan did. I think Kim did, you know? Mm-hmm. So, no, I mean, I've, yeah, a lot of my close friends, I mean, even Chelsea Schuler, I mean all those, all of us. Kelsey, I mean Jenny, I mean Jo. I mean I know you love Jo, but I love Jo. She is. Uh, so I mean a fun we've, one. we've all. I mean I still talk to them and see yeah. them like.
0: You know, so Jo held like all the home run records right. at the school. Her career record got broken, and her season record got tied this year with mm-hmm. the from the first baseman from right. the back, Gray Holland. Cool little moment. I was sitting in the dugout um, during the region tournament. Uh, right before they played in Neosha County. And uh, they were, uh, and I was sitting in the front of the dugout, and you had a group of alums. <laughs> so Kayla, there. Kayla's
1: one Kayla of them, yeah. uh,
0: Kelsey Overacker, uh, Jalen Ellison, and Jenny Owen were all yep. there. And uh, Gray and like a couple other teammates, I can't remember who, but obviously I specifically remember Gray. So I, I got this. Said,
1: saw, I got this on my Snapchat. They sent it to me.
0: Yeah, well, they came up to me, or they just kind of came up and they. Yeah, said,
1: they they probably just went wherever they wanted. Let's be real. They huh? probably just walked out in the field like they owned it.
0: Well, no, <laughs> I'm saying Gray came up in in the dugout and they saw she they saw the uh, they saw the alums in the stands. They saw Kelsey in that group, mm-hmm. and they were like, "That's so cool that they're here cheering us on." Like they were really happy about that. And I looked at Gray and I said, "You see that girl in the white? It was Jenny Owen." Mm-hmm. You see that girl in the white? That's Jenny Owen. Because I had just done a story mm. about Gray beating Jennifer Owen's home run records. And so then they, they like took a photo afterwards and stuff like that. Like to get like G- Gray caught up with Jenny and they they got a photo together of the two home run leaders in the school and it, it is cool to yeah, see. Yeah, Jenny
1: that. Jenny gave her permission to take her home run <laughs> records. She she told her like is that, I I know you don't want to take it. I'm gonna give it to you, so go ahead and take it. Like she she <laughs> wanted her to do big things at that oh, tournament. Yeah.
0: You know what else I love about Gray, too, was um, she said something. Uh, it's just these little things every now and then stand out to me. So you mentioned that girl, Audrey, the catcher mm-hmm. that we talked about a couple minutes ago. Uh, it, she was on pace to break the career record, but then she but then COVID happened and mm-hmm. then she didn't come back. Right. Um, so when Gray broke the record, her next... Audrey just happened to be there at the game. She was just there watching it this past year, this past spring. And... I was sitting with Audrey, talking, catching up with her, and Gray comes out on deck, and I go, and I I said something to Gray about just like, oh, there's a new home run queen or something like that, just one of my smart ass remarks, (laughs) and she looked at me and she goes, all those records would be hers if we got to play last year. I loved that kind of humility there, Mm -hmm. and that was, you know, I. And that's why I like that team in particular, just because I always there's moments like that every day. I want to ask you something, coach to coach, or as a coach, from the perspective of the coach, you know Ryan, you know his mm-hmm. system well, you know he's very aggressive on the base mm-hmm. paths, you know he likes his team to be fast. Mm-hmm. But you also know that, at least in the last few years, his defense has been prone to errors. Uh, and it wasn't really until this year that he had, I mean, he had he had a lot of power in your years. And then for about five, six years, he, he was a small ball extremist. And now he kind of has both. What's the counter to that? How do you beat him schematically? How do you how do you force him into mistakes as a coach? When you're right, trying man, to I, beat him.
1: Honestly, as a coach, you can, I think one thing, I mean, one day I'll show up and be like, oh, we're really good at this. And the next day we're not. So <laughs> I would like to think we always have like this plan of like, we're heavy hitters this year. We're going to small ball it like. Honestly, it's what they they show up and do. I think uh, at this level, at any level, we're just trying to put our kids in the best situation. I mean, uh, Ryan, yeah, I know if he has speed, he's probably going to fake bunt still. I mean, but anyone's going to do those things if you have the ability to do it, mm-hmm. do it like. And and that's the same thing as bunting. Like we, I think bunting's so just like lost art these days. Like oh,
0: he'll, Ryan will have an aneurysm about it. His team couldn't bunt. And oh I my don't gosh, these are,
1: I think it was just like a thing this year. It was like after COVID, everyone was like, we don't know how to do that anymore. So I about stroked out like a million times over it. If we did touch it, we, popped, college athlete. We, we would pop it up. Like the only ones that could bump were like my, my four hole kid that I needed. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe someone can do it, you know? So no, I, I, I don't know. I think it just depends on the year. I think another thing is just do, do your homework, find out who you're playing. I mean, mm-hmm. see what they, you know, find out what their kids are doing, watch film, and, and then...
0: Film was more accessible this year, too, because a lot of Absolutely. It games. helped
1: us a ton when we talk about how I utilize my two pictures.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We we watched film. And I, I'll tell you, Tyler watched a ton of film, and then we sat and reviewed things and talked about things because we wanted to put our pictures in the best situation. Because mm-hmm. we always do, um, but it's scary when you have two, you yeah. know? And they're really young because COVID year and then... You know, a brand, like, my kid was the COVID year kid. Um, like, so she, just her first year to pitch, and she, you know, didn't get a ton of experience under her belt. And then a freshman straight out of high school, so.
0: Was this the most film and the most scout work you've probably ever done in a year? With all the Oh, yeah, that but also
1: I think it's just because it's available now. Yeah.
0: Do you believe, okay, I believe there is, but I'm curious if you think you ever got to this. Is there is there such a thing, or did you ever hit a point of over-preparedness?
1: yes. I think there was times when we would come out and like we tried to do our homework to put our kids in the best case scenario. We we're always like, "You work hard, we'll do our part two. And then sometimes we would tell them like, "All right, this team predominantly does this," mm-hmm. and they wouldn't do it.
0: You yeah. know, we
1: would watch stuff because and waiting it's so hard scout. because you don't know what if our pitcher's comparable to that pitcher that day. You don't know if you know they you know what they're yeah. they're gonna. Is our pitcher just like the Lebet pitcher? I mean, so then you can't really read their you know your. You're kind of hoping that all your stuff's yeah. right, and you're watching some films great, some films not. You're watching through a chain link fence with the wind blowing <laughs> fifty, and you're like, "What's our number? Can you <laughs> see that?" Like, so you're you're hoping, and then some days we would just show up because our kids would almost anticipate too much of something mm-hmm. happening, so we would just be like, "All right, you know, you are who you are at this point. Like, let's let's go play," because you didn't want to be like, "Okay, yeah." This is gonna happen, and it doesn't. Cause then they almost like they're on they're on pins and needles, waiting for this to happen,
0: and it doesn't happen. You know, one of my I'll use basketball as an analogy because it's what I'm more comfortable with, at least from a knowledge standpoint. My I think the worst coaches out there are the ones they go in with the scout, and, and let's just say their scout said, "All right, I think we they think that a two three zone is the best defense this game." And we're, we're going to live and die by that because this is what my scout says. This is what I know. And their scout was probably right based on the film they watch. But then they sit in that zone for a quarter, and they're down 15. And they'll never get out of it. Like, I I, I love the coaches the most that there, there's a reason pride is a deadly sin. And that that's, it. That, that's that is that, that don't have pride. And so they're willing to throw out that scout they worked on for four days and say, okay, the zone, I was wrong. Time to go, man. Like, you know, it and-
1: happens. It's hard. It's a, I understand what you're saying. It's a, it's a tear between, am I being, am I being prideful or am I also, you want to stick to your system. You want your kids to yeah. not want to change things. This the moment. That's why they do experience failure. Cause you see kids that go up and hit, switch it. And they'll be like, I'm going to hit from the left, hit, left side this time. And they're struggling on the right side. Then they go to the left side and they struggle there. And they go back to the right side. And you're like, stand on one side of the plate. Let's get that <laughs> figured out. And then we can move on. So you, you know that's i think that's a a thing there too is one am i just being prideful or also do we just trust the process you yeah know, trust the and that's process a that's tough to figure yeah. out
0: but uh so well, last thing i'll i'll ask you about well, long term you you know you you said you were this is what you're going on your tenth year in the jayhawk that is an accomplishment as a coach congratulations on that well, you I have mean, found a you were six found,
1: with kim and This will be rolling rolling into my four as long as Indy takes me back after this conversation (laughs) with you today.
0: (laughs) Um, In 10 years, where do you want to be? Um, And I always, you know, this is, I'll I'll hedge this by saying, you know, in 2015, nobody, or in 2010, nobody got that question right of what they would be doing in 2020. And so a, a lot of it is outside of your control. So, I guess I'll rephrase my question. do you want to do you want to keep moving up the ladder? Do you see yourself where you where you're at? i mean, what what does a a good life look like for Sam Campbell as we continue down this coaching career?
1: Probably Juco. I mean, if you if I always tell everyone it's it's juco, i it, we're always looking for. You know, bigger, better. We don't want to stop growing. I mean, that's when you become content with things. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I mean, then you don't want to just be comfortable and get complacent. Um, but I want to build. I mean, though we talked about, you know, Ryan building, Kim's now, you know, building. It finally, it's, really it kind takes, of hit a stride there. You know, yeah. I mean, Highlands building. Mean, a lot of people that are at places are they've built, they've built from mm-hmm. the ground up, and it'd be hard for them to leave because you do, you know, it's it's your style. And I don't, I don't know if like. I want to say Indy's my for, forever home by any means. Like, um, I do I do think Indy's headed in a great direction. The school's doing big things. I, our new president, I really like. I, I like our AD. I, I'm starting to, like, our staff's starting to get that that feel to it, but...
0: I don't really really, you know, this is going to be the riskiest thing I say to you with regards to Indy, but... I, for, so I'll say first, I agree with you. I think Indy's in a much better. I think it is yeah. in a much better place than it was when you got there. Yes. So yeah. much to the point that when you took the job, I was like, "Why is she going there?" I place. legitimately <laughs> believed that staying as an assistant with Kim would have been a better move at the time you took it. Just simply right. because I, I, I didn't think administration was at its healthiest point when you took that job. But there's been some turnover there. I think there's been some evolutions of philosophy there, and I think. You know now you're part of that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I think there's definitely a, a positive direction at that school.
1: Yes, I think the people that are there, that are there now want big things to happen, want good things to happen. They're they're boots on the ground kind of people. They want to see big change, and they mm-hmm. have a good heart behind it. So I I'd like to say in ten years I'll every time I've ever said this I want to be here by this day. It's never it's never panned out overall, oh. but um no I, I was I, only going
0: to be in partially for like like, a year or two.
1: Right, <laughs> I, I like. I like JUCO. I like where I, we talked about it earlier. I like the relationship that I have with my kids at this level. I like that is JUCO's always has its pros and cons. Like you know, the turnover is a good thing. The turnover is a bad thing, depending on the year. But it's the same thing. You wear a lot of hats, which is a good thing some days and a bad thing yeah. some days. So some days you're just like, I don't know what to tell you about that. And then some days you're like, Yeah, let me like you know, it's, it's a lot. You get to be in some, in some cool places and see some cool things and, and help your kids grow. And then some days you're like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to get the field ready, sit in this meeting, talk to her about this, like, get are the uniforms <laughs> we'll clean? Flat tire. <laughs> are the uniforms clean? Where are my keys? Like, so you have like a, a there's a mix there, but I do like you know, I, I like the other coaches in the conference. I like this level. I like, you know, I
0: like. I think that I think that the relationships between most coaches, especially on the D two side. I don't know enough about the D one side, but on the D two side, by and large, I would say most get along with everybody. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions here or there. I mean, someone's not going to like someone for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But by by and large, unless there's something I'm missing behind the scenes, which I'm sure there is, there, there's not some blood feud that is so answer us to the atmosphere the culture of the conference as a no, whole.
1: No, no. Most most are pretty good. I am most are pretty good. You know, people I I call it's not it's nothing to call up and we have to work so closely with each other throughout the weather and rain outs yeah. You know, most people call and they're like, "Hey, <laughs> what are you thinking?" <laughs> and, and my AD actually made fun of me because I was like, "Oh, well, I'll just call over and ask. I'll, I don't even know who it was. It might have been Jamie at Hutch." And I was like, "I'll just call Jamie and see what's going on." And he was like, "I like how you guys just like oh, I'll just call Jamie, or I'll just call Ryan, or I'll just call Kib or I'll just call, you know, Shiloh. And, like, we talk to each other so much because we have Mm -hmm. to worry about, you know, we do do all the things. I don't have a director of ops rescheduling my travel and getting (laughs) my umpires. Like, that's, that's you know, who it could just be me or me, you know, and my assistant and and all the things. So we do rely on each other heavily to make that communication because we do have little budgets, and I can't afford to – drive feed not play right so yeah. it's got to work out for everybody mm-hmm. so it's easier just to be like oh, i'm just gonna make the call and, and talk it talk do you it want out. to
0: stay in the jayhawk or would a school like and like you know you i would imagine NEL might be a fit for you someday it might be a uh or, i mean you could go to a i think a school it, in Iowa. i
1: think it just depends on the the fit the time whatever's going on i i do like the jayhawk i was the player in the jayhawk i've just been a Jayhawk kid since I got into the college ball, mm-hmm. so um, I would like I would say I-, I feel comfortable in the Jayhawk, but also like I talked about earlier, like you don't always want to get too comfortable. But mm-hmm. I do like the Jayhawk.
0: Well, uh, Sam, thank you for coming on the show. We've talked for like an hour and a half, which I think is about an hour and fifteen minutes more than you wanted. So
1: <laughs> yeah, well, who's counting?
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, thanks for coming on. I always enjoy catching up with you. And, Absolutely. Uh, seeing what and seeing what the latest is at Indy. One thing I want to commend you on. I told you privately, but I'll say it publicly. So I got to, you know, you asked me to take some photos of a graduation ceremony for your for your for your players. I'll explain that a little bit more to our listeners here. So the the normal graduation ceremony at Independence Community College it was going on when you were at your your region tournament. Right. So your player your sophomores weren't going to be able to attend and, and you know mm-hmm. wear their cap and gown and, and go to their graduation ceremony. So what you did was. You organized the graduation ceremony on your field for your sophomores, and you brought in the college president. Mm-hmm. You brought in a board member. You made it a very formal, as formal a thing as it was going to be, right? And it was way more formal than any other kind of graduate, kind of you know, guerrilla pseudo graduation ceremony I had seen. You made it a very official deal.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that goes to the right people being in Indy right now. Like mm-hmm. Dr. Bowe was quick to come down, and and Eric was there. You know, our AD and and everyone showed up and. Really, I just put it in an emotion. I I found out that we weren't going to make it, and I was like, I feel bad. These kids worked hard for this. Like, I don't think they should have to miss one thing because they accomplished a degree, and now they have to miss that to go accomplish what they've done athletically. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give them something, and um, I just kind of tossed it up in the air, and everyone jumped on board.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a cool thing that you did. It was very well executed. And, I mean, I, I told some of the parents, I was like... I promise you, this was better than what you than what you would have gotten at oh, that yeah. ceremony. Like this yeah. is a cooler. There's it was a much more intimate type of affair. Oh and yeah, it was cool. I, sure. I think that our was our kids
1: a, really liked it. I thought it. I thought it went off well for
0: sure. If anything, you should try to do that every. I mean, that should just be the tradition if you're going to miss graduation at
1: this yeah. point. Yeah, no, I think I think it will. But I don't think a lot of schools do it. I think Ryan's mm-hmm. had to do it once. I've I, seen Ryan I, Kim, do it a couple times. Kim but, did it. Well, Kim but, did it. Baseball. I
0: mean, yeah, two baseball but, programs. Like when I saw Ryan do it, and it's not. I'm not insulting Ryan by any means. Basically I think it was at one time it was the college president. Basically they just came down and, you know, handed right. out the diplomas. Right. But like it wasn't a whole ceremony where the family came down and everything. And and that was because partly because I think one time like the, the president at the time was like, Hey, you want me to do this? Like like that day. Right. <laughs> so but I, I thought that was a very well executed thing and I think that speaks to a lot of what you've said about how you do everything. And I was <laughs> You know, it was it was cool for me to see because I've known you for quite a few years now, and I've known you as the assistant that yelled at me on the field, mm-hmm. and I've known you as the uh, as a head coach of a program that just won only four games uh, that you inherited, and I, I thought that was very emblematic of the growth that you've taken as a coach and that your program has taken under you, and so it, that was cool to see.
1: Thank you, I really appreciate that. I do. I feel like I, I do feel like I have grown from the. The 22-year-old assistant that was probably not happy to see you in the dugout to to now it's it's been Can I hear on my radio show what yeah it's it's been, it's been a fun journey you know I mean I I do think the sport's growing I, I love to be a part of it and I think that was a big draw of me coming here today it was just to get you know the right stuff out there to say like we yeah we're ready to grow help us grow kind of thing
0: for sure. That'll do it here on the War Room. Thanks again to Coach Campbell uh, for coming on. Always appreciate you. I'm Sean Fryer, host. Um, everybody, stay safe and get vaccinated.